Um, tonight is March the 20th, 2019, and the title of our message is Tap In. Tap Get tapped in. in. So a quick little recap of, uh, let's just take the last three messages. Um, and the message, guard it. We learned from Abraham and Matt and Wade how important it is to guard the way of, Lord, uh, the, way of the Lord. Shamar in action. Nick and Assad encouraged us with treasure it. We found out that the heavenly treasure we store up allows us to present a treasure to our king, which in turn makes us his treasure. Man, we can just sit on that, right? Like, we're the Lord's treasure. I mean, that's, it's overwhelming. Finally, finally, in the message, go get them. Pastor Eric, Judah, and Justin taught us that our revelation grows. Uh, and as we put it into action by our faith and by going out to get the lost, our revelation grows as we go out and we do and we go get them. We go out and get those that are lost. So we want to start in uh, Proverbs 4.23. That's probably a good verse. Rick, you want to, want to read that for us? Yes, I sure do. Okay. Proverbs 4.23, it reads, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. This is our starting point this evening, and we're just going to keep coming back to this. Life flows from your heart. Yeah, Proverbs 4.23. So about four months ago... Uh, Rick and I started getting together just over lunch uh, at the house and just sharing what the Lord was was doing in our lives. And uh, one particular Sunday, Rick came up to me uh, and just, hey, JJ, I have a word for you. Just hope hope it's for you. And, and it was this. It was Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And something struck in my heart. And uh, I just began to dig in and began to uh, try to find out the fullness of, of what that verse was. And from them, we've just been getting together and the Lord's been expounding and revealing greater things. Uh, and like I said, this is three, four months in the work. And I believe the Lord's uh, continuing to do new things as we continue to dig up the soils of our own heart uh, and let his word bring life into us. Amen. Amen. In this last year, I've been working very hard to cultivate life in the Lawhan family. We've been working to add joy and gladness to everything we do each morning. We're going to put on joy and gladness. And as we're tapping in to this fountain of life, as JJ and I are getting in the reins together to cultivate life in what God has put us to, we want to share that with you tonight. What we've learned and some of the things that have been highlighted to us, you're going to be blessed, I assure you. Uh, the well that we want to talk about tonight, beer, that's the Hebrew word. And uh, in a nutshell, it's a, a, a man-made well. It's something that a man digs down into the earth and goes down. It's a good word. Beer. One of the things that, uh, that is so important about wells in the desert is that a desert is a dry and arid place. There's not a lot of water. We've been talking a lot in more recent months that men are made in the desert. We know in 1 Samuel that kings are made in the desert. God in His providence takes us and puts us in dry and arid places. And He does it because He wants us to learn to trust in Him for everything. He wants us to cry out and He wants to give us everything we have need of. Amen. 
Has anyone been in a desert place before? Yes, yes I have. Yes. Has anyone been in a desert place recently? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, you're in a good place tonight. Those desert places are dry. Like Rick was saying, it's a place that we learn to trust him. Uh, in those desert places, in order to survive, we must have a reliable source of water. We must have something that's, that's untainted, that's pure, something that's going to, uh, that's going to come up again and again and again, uh, just in order to survive. But I know the church that I belong to, we want to do more than just survive, right? Yeah. No, that's right. Amen. Does anyone just, just want to make it? They just want to show up tonight and just make it? No. Does anyone just want to survive tonight? No. Does anyone want to thrive? Yes. yes. All right. We got to tap in. Amen. Amen. Psalms 36, verses 7 through 9. It says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Listen, is anyone just a little dry out there tonight? Is anyone completely full? Is anyone out there just like me could use just a little bit more is ready to drink in from the heavens? Hey, listen, you need to get tapped in tonight. There is a river of life to be had for you, saints. You got to tap in. When we're talking about wells, it's hard not to think of work. In the past year, as I'm digging down deep in my life and in my family's life, a well that's properly made and, and done well, that's producing, you have to go down deep. You have to break hard ground. Sometimes you have uh, firmaments that could be solid rock. Sometimes your, your implements might get dull and you have to get back into the woodshed and, and go be forged in the fire and sharpen those things and get back to work. When it comes to wells, the depth of the well determines the purity and the quality of the water. Tonight, if you're, if you're drinking of waters that just feels a little bit tainted, that it might be full of sediments, I'm telling you, the answer tonight is you just got to dig down a little bit deeper. Amen. The capacity of the well is determined just by the sheer size of it. Sometimes if you need more when it comes to the wellspring of life, sometimes you just have to widen your birth. Sometimes you just have to go out and deeper. If you need more, there's more to be had tonight. Digging is a labor-intensive job. And once you get where you're going, you've got to guard it, you've got to shamar, and you have to protect it with all you've got. You've got to tap into this life. Amen. Does anyone want to guard it tonight? Amen. Does anybody want to tap in tonight? Amen. See, wells fall into two categories, and it's based on the source of water. Two categories. One, and we're going to go through some of these, is a cistern or a reservoir. It's the most common. It's uh, basically it's a collection and a storage of rainwater. Uh, I had uh, uh, probably a couple what, about six weeks ago now. I think Rick and uh, Gabriel Arius and Polly over there helped me dig a reservoir in my backyard because uh, some of you know our backyard just likes to uh, bring in the waters. It just likes to, to encourage them to come to our house uh, and not the good waters. And so we dug, we dug a cistern uh, in order to collect the water to pump it away from the house because those were waters that were damaging, waters of chaos. Uh, the other well that we see is a fountain. It's very rare. 
And that fountain is fed from a spring. It's not just a collection of water uh, like a cistern. It's not just something that sits there. And if it rains, it rains. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it floods, it floods. If it doesn't, it doesn't. See, a fountain is fed from a spring, an underground river. It doesn't matter what season comes. It doesn't matter whether rain or shine. That river keeps moving. That river is alive. There's life. life is in the movement of that water. And it's very important. The source is very important. So we're going to talk about those two things. We're going to talk about a cistern and a fountain. Is everyone still with me tonight? Yeah. Does everyone still want to tap in tonight? Yeah. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit more about fountains. It's a constant source of water. It's always flowing. It's living water is what God says. It takes less work to get out of the ground because there's pressure behind it. It's moving. It doesn't require so much force and effort when you tap into this living water. I want to look at uh, Genesis 26 verses 19. Isaac is digging and speaking of this well that he's digging. It says in verse 19, it says that the, the, uh, when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water. So they were digging a well and they had no idea what they tapped into, but they, they found, they discovered almost as if on purpose, a flowing river underground their well struck a river underneath the ground listen that's what we're talking about tonight we're talking about flowing water living breathing water just beneath the surface and we've got to tap into that tonight the word fountain it's the hebrew word ayin and most of us know we know that's the eye as i'm looking at this it's so profound. Why would, the, why would the, the Hebrews refer to a fountain as the eye, as an eye? It's easy because in a desert, wherever there's water, there's life. It's obvious when you come upon an oasis, there's no mistake. There's green. There's growth. Everything is in abundance. It's obvious. When we're talking about tapping into this flowing, living water, there will be obvious signs to your eye, everyone's eye, that this person is tapped into something alive and new and fresh. There is no doubt in anyone's mind. Amen. I love talking about fountains, but we still have to talk about the cistern. Everyone turn to Jeremiah 2.13. Yeah. Tell me, uh, when you get there, say, tap in. Fast. That was my wife that was first before everyone. Just wanted to point her out there on the front row with her little spectacles on there. She'll teach me something later. <laughs> Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, there's two sins. Forsaking the Lord and digging your own cistern. And some of us may think, well, yeah, you want to dig your own well. You got to get to work. Put your hands to the work. That's the mantra of this church. One of the mantras. Get to work. Especially young men. Get to work. You know, don't don't sit idle. Get to work. Uh, And uh, cisterns, they require the most work. Because like Rick said... The fountains have pressure. These cisterns don't have pressure. There's no pressure, but they require 
a lot of work. They require a lot of dipping. Has anyone ever just felt exhausted because you've just gone and gone and gone and worked and worked and worked? Yeah? I have. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure everyone... Everyone's still awake tonight? Everyone good? Okay. Just making sure everyone's tapped Come in Come on, tonight. church. Get tapped in. Come on. Okay. These cisterns require the most work because it's a lot of digging. And the cisterns are unreliable. We read it earlier that the cisterns that they have dug themselves, they're broken cisterns. They cannot hold water. Some of the problems with a cistern is they become stagnant. The water just sits there. It's not flowing. It's not moving. So there's no life. And actually, if you partake of the water in a cistern, it could actually make you sick and die. So not only does it not bring life, it could actually bring death. And they're prone to leaking. A leaking well is, is not a good thing. Um, the cisterns also have a very limited supply. Like we said before, they're seasonal. These cisterns are seasonal. It depends. If it's raining, everything's good. Man, if it's just, if God's just pouring down blessings from heaven and you're full and you're surrounded by other people that are full of life, everything's good. But what happens when you're by yourself? What happens when the Lord's not just opening up the heavens? Are we empty? Are we dry? Are we cracked? Are we leaking? See, we don't want to be cisterns tonight. The other thing about cisterns is they can be used as a prison. We've seen that throughout the Bible, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But an empty well is not a good well. We've got to tap in, church. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We're trying to teach you how to bring life back to your heart. We're trying to bring life to your spirit tonight, church. Amen. Amen. Empty wells. You know, I think the most important part of, of this is to rightly assess. If we're talking about our heart, let's take a real good look at our heart, the condition of our heart. When we're looking at cisterns, Listen, a cistern, all it does is collect water. There is no source. There is no flow into a cistern. It only collects from the heavens. Whatever uh, overflow on the ground, it pours into the cistern, right? It's a collection. The problem with that is in dry seasons, it runs out. Listen, I don't know about you, church, but I'm telling you, there's times in my life I get dry. There's droughts. There's seasons. It feels like an off season and I get dry. And I'm just like, Lord, what, 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 what are you doing? Where, where have you brought me? And see, I'm learning how to get tapped in. And I want to convey that to you very effectively tonight. When the rain is not available, you've got to be tapped in to a life source that transcends desert aridness, rain, lack of rain. Whatever the condition is, if you're tapped in, you will have life. Empty cisterns. Genesis 37, verses 20 through 24. This is speaking of Joseph. His brother says, Come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, one of these wells, one of these cisterns. And they said, We'll just speak that a wild beast devoured him. Then let's see what becomes of his dreams. Listen, a well, this is an ironic thing. When a well becomes empty, when a well becomes cracked and it's devoid of life, it's not holding anything, it becomes a prison cell. You hear me tonight? If you've got a cracked cistern, it's lacking life, it will be a prison. 
Jeremiah 38, 6. They took Jeremiah and they cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, who was in the court of the guardhouse, and they let Jeremiah down the ropes. Now in the cistern there, there was no water, but only mud. Listen, I've been in places like this before. There was no freshness. It just seemed like at the bottom of my well, it was just mud, dried, caked mud. And as I'm digging in, as I'm getting tapped in to the life, to the new, fresh outpouring of God's presence, it fills up and it brings life. JJ, tell us about a full well. What does that look like? A full well. Well, there's a couple of full wells. A full well, full of what? Well, I mean, what can a well be full of? Water, yeah? What else could a well be full of? Dirt. See, we don't know exactly what our well is full of until we look down in it. Because uh, Luke 6.45 says, Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. We're correlating the well to your heart. So whatever's in your heart is what comes out. Imagine coming up, man, you're, you're, uh, you're in the desert, or you're, you're with Buddy. You're, you're in Peru, you're in Chavai, you're walking the canyon, man, it's hot. Some of you have been there, you know what it's like. Man, you just, it's been two hours, you've been hiking, and you just need a cold drink. You walk up to a well, you'd be so excited. Man, you know there's going to be water. You, you, there's actually a rope, there's a bucket, I mean, there's everything in there. You drop it down in there, you pull it up, and what's in there? What if there's dirt? You don't know. How, how disappointing is that? When you just pull up dirt out of a well. When you don't pull up life. When the very thing you need is life. Because that's who we are to be. We're supposed to have hearts that are full of life. Yeah. That Proverbs 4. We're supposed to be a wellspring of life. And we're supposed to guard that. So are we refreshing to others? Or what's in our well? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 26. Say tap in when you're there. We'll start in verse 12. We're just going to read through a few verses. Because we're going to talk about what a well could be full of. In verse 12 it says. I'm sorry. Uh, skip down to verse 17. It says. So Isaac moved away from there. And encamped in the valley of Gerar. And settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug. In the time of his father Abraham which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. So see, we, we see clearly we've got wells full of dirt that have been stopped up the enemy. His father Abraham is gone. He's dead. It doesn't seem like there's life. And the enemy comes in and fills it with dirt. But we don't stop there. Isaac's servants dug in the valley, the same verse we read earlier, and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. So he, dis- uh, so he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. See, and that well was dispute. Well, what do, you, what do you do when there's dispute in your well? You just keep digging. You keep digging. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So they named it Sitna, which means opposition. What happens when you face opposition? You keep digging. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, uh, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So you keep digging. You keep digging, church. You don't give up. You keep digging. Because there's going to be things that come in that try to... There's going to be enemies that's going to come in and say, you know what? Uh, your father's dead. There's death, and I'm just going to take advantage. I'm just going to come in. Uh, like the pastor was saying earlier tonight, the enemy is searching. He's prowling. He's, he's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. 
So the enemies are like these Philistines, like these giants, just waiting for the opportunity to uh, for Abraham to die. Because Abraham, we've, we've been studying him a lot, and he's, he's a, a bad man in a good way. Uh, and uh, he's, he took 318 men and toppled kings that toppled Philistines. He's a bad man, so he's waiting for the opportunity. Abraham's dead now, so we got him. We got, we're going to stop in these wells. That's, that's the, uh, uh, what, what enemies do when they come in. One of the first things they do is they stop up water sources when they're going to siege a city because the water brings life. And we, church, we've got to be aware of what the enemy's doing. Is he putting dirt in your well? Is he putting opposition in your well? Is he putting dispute? Is he putting factions? Is he putting uh, murmuring words or bickering words? Or what was the words we were talking about earlier at the table? Just uh, as the words, just gossiping words or, or uh, complaining and arguing. What are you allowing the enemy to put in your well? Because just because your well is full doesn't mean it brings life. So we've got to guard our wells. Once... Once we dig out our wells, we've got to guard our, low, our wells. Uh, turn with me to John chapter 4. You see, Abraham dug that well. Isaac dug that well. And I think it's very safe to assume that Jacob dug that as well. It's kind of a family well, kind of family business going on. And if they can dig it, I think you can dig it. Can you dig it, church? All right. Can you dig it, Rick? I can dig it. Amen. So John chapter 4. Starting in verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She's kind of thinking on the same vein, but not really. Are you greater than our father Jacob? She's concerned with history, with, with placement. Who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, I was sharing with this with someone one day, and the Lord just, uh, he just, he, uh, he crushed me in the middle of sharing it. Uh, and I'll go back up to verse 10. Jesus answered her, because she's worried about a well. She's worried about drawing water out of a well. Her focus is on the well. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink. If you knew the gift and you knew who it was. See, the woman was so focused on the well. She kept going back to the well, Jacob's well, father's well, the well, the well, the well. Are we so focused on the gift? Are we so focused on the position, on the placement, on the, and this is where my heart was. I was so focused on, 
God, I want to be at this place. We said, you know what? It's not about that. I said, if you knew the gift of God and who? Who is who? Him, Jesus. If you knew the gift and him who's about to give you this gift, you'd ask. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, Jesus is concerned with life. He's not concerned about a placement of a well or who passed it on for thousands of years. He's not concerned about if your name's written on the well or who your father is or that. He's concerned about giving you life. He was concerned about giving the Samaritan woman salvation. And not just life for her, but a salvation that would flow out. In verse 14, it says, whoever drinks the water I give him will never first and will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water. Welling up to eternal life. See, it's not just getting to the well. It's not just walking over, getting a little drink out. Oh, man, that was so good. I was, okay, I'm good. I'm settled now. No, it's not just getting to a source. It's about you becoming the source. It's about that living water that he wants to baptize you in, immerse you in, and fill your insides with until they're bubbling out like a brook. Until you become that well. You become that fountain that's springing forth so that everyone that's around you sees life. Like Rick was saying earlier, you walk around in a desert, you want to know where to find a well, you look for life. Let's take a sober judgment of ourselves real quick. When we walk into the room, are we... Do people see life in us? You know, or do, do they see a well? What kind, of, what kind of well? Is it a well surrounded by life, surrounded by vegetation, surrounded by palm trees that are spreading out to the nations? Or is it just a, a well, a broken cistern that's just sucking life from everything else? So we've got to take a sober judgment because I found myself in that place because I was so, so busy looking for the source, or so busy looking for God, where do you want me that I forgot about him? He's the source. He is a spring of living waters, and he wants to make me a spring of waters. Amen. He wants to make you a spring of living waters. Do you want to be a spring of living waters tonight, church? Amen. Then let's tap in. Amen. There is a river of life that knows no end. There is a river that will satisfy beyond your wildest dreams. We've got to tap into that source tonight. There was a time not that long ago, I was working, I was working, I was digging, I was having some success, and there, and, and there was a time when it just got difficult, turned into work. It's funny how work often turns into work. I remember having a conversation with the pastors, and I remember... I'm, I, it's almost embarrassing, but I remember telling them, basically, you know, every day was just difficult. Every day was just hard. I'd go to work and everything would go wrong. And the funny thing is, it's not even necessarily my fault, but, but as a manager, it's under your watch and it's under your responsibility. You know, I would send guys out to do jobs and, and they would blow things up and, you know, we would lose money every day. Trucks would break down and, I, I mean, it, it was just terrible. And every day, I, I, it got very discouraging. I was working, but I wasn't having any real success. I was digging. I was moving. I was sweating, right? But I hit this layer. I just couldn't break through. And so as I was just pressing in, Lord, I, I need to hear you. I need to know. I need some kind of revelation. And he did just that. And I want to share it with you tonight. If you'll turn to Exodus 15, verses 22, and say tapped in when you get there. Tapped in. 
I want to share tonight a revelation that I got that gave me new, fresh, living waters. It renewed me in a way that I'm different. I go to work with a little pep in my step. You want to take that for us, JJ? Yeah. Exodus 15, verses 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. You put me in Nasby. Thank you, Rick. Uh, and they it's went my, out. my and, verse. And they went out. Let's start over. My fault. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. It's pretty good. Bitter, so you name it, bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the water became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. So as I was digging, I was working the soil, I was meeting resistance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're digging, and you're not seeing a lot of result, right? I was getting discouraged, and the Lord brought this revelation to me. This is an amazing passage, and it's funny how you can be so familiar with the Scriptures, and you, you gloss over things. You, you, you miss over things that are, that, that are life-breathing, uh, life-filling. And this is what it was for me when God brought this to my attention. The Lord had miraculously delivered His people. He had parted the Red Sea. And then right after that, they were without water for three days. They say three days of no water can kill you. I mean, you can't live long without water. So, I mean, this is serious. This is not a light matter. This is a very serious thing to be without water. There was nothing that they had done wrong. They had, there wasn't sin in the camp. This was not judgment. You hear what I'm saying? This was not punishment from God. God brought them into a desert. He put them there for a reason. They didn't understand it. They didn't see it. They were thirsty. That's all they knew. It was dry. It was arid. And they were thirsty. And they began to cry out. They began to grumble to the man of God. And the man of God, he did the right thing. He looked heavenward. And he cried out and asked God. And God responded. He responded and he showed him a tree and he threw it into the waters and the water became sweet. He turned the bitter water sweet. See, that's what I was faced with. And every morning I would go to work. It was drudgery. It was terrible. I wasn't doing anything wrong. Actually, I was doing everything right. I'm telling you. I was getting up seeking the face of the, uh, of the Lord. I was getting into His Word. There wasn't sin in my life. I was pressing in. I was leading my family. And I was meeting resistance every day at work. Terrible resistance. It was bitter water for me. And then the revelation was, God was saying, Hey, 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 you're not looking to me. I was just there in the situation. I was grumbling. I was complaining. I didn't know what the answer was. And then when I got revelation, it was so simple. God is up there, Hey, hey, I put you here. I've got an answer. I've got a solution. Will you just cry out? Will you call out to me? What is difficult? What is hard? What is drudgery? I will make it sweet. I won't just make it clean. I won't just make it fresh. I'll make it sweet. I'll make it better than it could possibly be. 
You don't know how good this. I'm telling you, if you're in that place, and I'm telling you, if you if you are, this is this is this is good news. If you're not, you'll get there and just remember this. God can make your water sweet again. No matter your circumstances, God can make it sweet. God didn't take them out of the desert. He left them in that difficult place, but he gave them sweet water. I'm telling you, you can do anything when your water is sweet. I mean, this was revelatory to me. The desert is an integral part of God's plan in the life of his saints. We so often just want to get out of that place, deliver me, get me out of here. But you see, God's provision is met and found in the desert. If God is not actively meeting your needs, then you may not have any active needs that you're crying out to Him for. You're not in a desert. You get in a desert, you're in a place you can't do anything right. You can't find any source of life. You have to turn to Him. And He's like, see, that's all I wanted. And I will pour Sweet waters back into your soul. I'm telling you, it's a revelation. Church, get that tonight. All we have to do is cry out to Him. We don't grumble, we cry out to Him. Let's be obedient to Him. It's hard not to think. I'm thinking of you, DJ. You know, you think you might be in a, in a difficult place. There might be obstacles in your life. And the Lord is saying, I put you there. If you will just look to me and call on me, I will make your water sweet. Amen. Sweet. You got to tap in to those sweet waters. If you're drinking of bitter waters, oh man, trade them in. Trade them in, church. It won't do anymore. Once you've tasted that sweet water, you'll never be satisfied again with the bitter waters. I'm telling you, if you don't wake up every morning, no matter your circumstances, and if you don't hop out of bed with a smile on your face, you're drinking bitter waters. I'm, ta- I'm telling you, you need to change your sources today. You've got to look up. And he's right there waiting. Will you look to me? I want to be your source tonight, church. That's what he's saying. Let's tap in. To those fresh, sweet waters. Let's tap in, church. What happens if we don't tap in? I don't want to stay here long because uh, this is not what we want to encourage you with. But there's some things that happen when we don't tap into the source. Uh, our wells, we, we started with Proverbs 4. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. What happens if we don't? Guard our heart. What happens if we don't roll the stone back over the entrance to our heart? The stone, the word of God, the thing that protects it. Stuff gets in. Pollution gets in. Things that taint the water. They get in the water. Like Rick was saying, that water was bitter, not because of judgment. But what are some of the things that we allow into our well, into our hearts? That allow our, our, our wells to become polluted. To become undrinkable. Not just for us, but for others around us. Of course, we wouldn't dare be so selfish just to think about us. I need my, my well to be fresh because I want to drink of some fresh waters. I mean, hopefully no one's thinking that. But I know I've got a family. I've got a family. 
that needs fresh water from the, from the heavens bubbling out of me. I can't afford to let pollution drop in my well. Turn to Proverbs 10, verse 11. Say tap in when you're there. Bear with me, Rick has me in Nasby again, so I'm just going to go with it. But it's good. Proverbs 10, verse 11 through 12. It says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Does anyone want to be a fountain of life tonight? Yes, I do. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. You see, our mouth can be the source, can be the place where pollution ebbs and flows, comes in and out. And then James chapter 3. James 3, uh, verses 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. Does a fountain send out the same opening from uh, from the same opening, both fresh and bitter water? As we're digging into this, what pollutes the well of your heart? It's a reoccurring theme. Words. Words will pollute your heart, church. James rightly says this. It's your mouth. You've got to guard that. Proverbs 23, I'm going to read this in the Septuagint. Because it, yeah, it reads just a little bit different. I want to read this. This is Proverbs 4, 23 through 24 in the Septuagint. It says, with complete vigilance, guard your heart. For out of these are the courses of life. Remove from yourself a crooked mouth and thrust unjust lips far from you. See, that's a much more active requirement. This, this changes it just a little bit. It's saying, like, get it away from you. If there are things in your mind, there are things that are creeping to come out, it's saying, get it away. Cast it away from you. Isaiah 6, 5. It says, then I said, woe. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, Isaiah had a vision of the Lord. And when comparing himself to the Lord, he realized how unclean his lips were. He realized that he was a polluted well. He realized there was something tainting his very speech and the speech around of the people around him. He had a revelation, church, when he had a revelation of what our wells look like tonight, of what our hearts look like tonight, because we need to be tapped in to the source, to the living water that would flow out of our lives. Amen. Amen. Leviticus eleven thirty six. Leviticus eleven thirty six. 
It says, nevertheless, this we're talking about in chapter 11, a lot of unclean things. And if it touches you, you become unclean. Uh, many pots and different things like that. Uh, but 11 verse 36, it says, nevertheless, a spring, a spring or a cistern collecting water shall be clean. Though the one who touches their carcass shall be unclean. So it says if a carcass falls into living water, if it falls into a spring, it doesn't make the spring unclean. But you still got to get the carcass out. You still got to get the dead things out of your spring. See, there's things that, that come in our lives, whether we allow them, whether the enemy puts them in there. There are things that get into our spring that bring death, that have the stench of death. And that's a pretty easy one. Like you, you got a dead carcass, a rodent in your, uh, in, your, in your sink. I mean, you smell it, man. We have no idea what that smells like here in the church, a dead rat. But it's got a distinct smell. But in Leviticus, it's talking about all these things. That are unclean. But the one thing that the dead carcass does not make unclean is the spring. Why? Because there's life. Because there's flowing water. So it doesn't matter what death looks around you. Even, even with Isaac, his father, Abraham's dead. This man of, man of all men. You know, he's dead. But death doesn't stop him. He digs down. And he finds the living water. What are we allowing in our Welsh church? And are we going to get it out? And are we going to get living water flow out of us and refresh ourselves and all the people around us? Are we going to tap in tonight, church? Amen. Amen. So we might have a little house cleaning, you know, work to do before we can get all the way tapped in. We've got to get those dead carcasses out of there. Get the dead rats out. Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-six. Tapped in when you're there. This is the NASB. It says, like a trampled spring and a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. You know what that sounds like to me? That's something that's not going after it. You need to go after them. That's what they need to do. That's how you can get your wells back in right order. You need to go after it. Go after them. Go get them. Go get them, We're going to go into the next segment. We've been talking about some issues with these wells, some things that cause pollution, some things that can taint your well. I think it's been pretty clear. Now JJ is going to talk about some fixes, some things that we can do that can help clean up our wells, clean up the pollution. Come on, JJ. Turn to Ezekiel 47. See, we don't want to leave this place without hope tonight. Does anyone want to leave without hope tonight? No, I don't. I don't want to leave without hope. So we're going to fix it. We're going to fix these wells. Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 3. It says, When the man went out toward the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, water reaching the ankle. See, this is speaking in a few verses before about water uh, coming from the temple and flowing down. It says this water reached the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the loins. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not ford. For the water had arisen, enough, enough water to swim in, a river that could not be forded. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. 
Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there are very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down into the Arabah. Then they will go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. It will become... It will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be very many fish, for these waters go there and the others become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. See, what gets out pollution, these waters, they're going into the Dead Sea. There's, there's nothing alive there. It's, the salt's it's dead. Nothing grow, it's, there's no life there. But these waters do. Because water coming from the throne, flooding in, Pouring out, pushing out the death and bringing life brings healing. Those waters becoming fresh. That word there is Rapha. It's healing. It's healing waters. It's not just overwhelming water, but it's waters that heals the water. Just like Rick was talking about earlier, uh, you've got bitter waters. I think the water is in the Dead Sea. I haven't been there yet. Hope to go soon. Some of you have been there. Yeah. I imagine if you took a drink of it accidentally, those are bitter waters. Super bitter waters. You don't want it. But waters from the throne bring healing. Amen. Just like the cross, the stick brings not only healing, it makes the water sweet. Waters that flood, flooding waters bring living water and pushes out the pollution. This passage reminds me of a passage in Revelation 22. Very picturesque. Revelation 22 and verse 1. Tap in when you're there. He said, then he showed me a river of the water of life, crystal, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The waters, the healing waters, they bring growth. They bring trees for the healing of the nations. We sang about it tonight. Why, why this, this cup of suffering? Why do we do what we do? Why do we keep working? Why do we keep digging? Why do we keep uh, checking our wells? Why do we keep making sure that it's pure? Because there's something at stake a lot larger than us. There's healing for the nations. There's healing for those around you. And we see that very thing here. So I'll charge you tonight, church. Keep tapping in. Drive out that pollution by keeping tapped in to the source of living water. That's right, JJ. You got to be flooded in the living water. I tell you what, I am ready to be overwhelmed tonight. I'm ready to drink in of that living water. Come on. Listen, it's going to happen. It's promised to us. The next idea that I want to talk to you about, there's a, there's a pattern that we see first in Genesis 1 2. This is the creation. Verse 2 says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. We know that the Spirit is the, is, is the breath of God. It's moving over the waters. There's a pattern here, and God wants to breathe His life over your chaos. Amen. He wants to bring Amen. order to your chaos. Amen. He wants to add life to your polluted waters tonight. He wants to breathe on it. Exodus fourteen twenty one. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And he turned the sea into dry land. I'm telling you, there's something about the breath of God when it breathes and moves 
over the waters. It changes it. I'm telling you, that is what's going to fix whatever your ailment tonight is. God breathing on your waters. It'll change forever. It'll make a difference. It'll bring dry land. And you can cross right through whatever obstacles that you were never able to push through. Whatever things have held you back for weeks, months, years. I'm telling you, God, breathing into your waters, you can cross over into new life tonight, church. Rick, we have time for one more fix. We got one more fix. Oh, yeah. We got Turn to John it. chapter 7. Land in verse 37. See, we've talked about fixing the pollution in our wells. We've talked about being flooded with living starting at our ankles. Anyone want to stop at your ankles? No. Okay, what about your knees? Anyone want to stop at your knees? What about your loins? Your waist? No. Anyone want to swim in the river of God? Yeah. Amen. Does anyone want God to breathe life into you and make a way, make a way through chaos? John seven thirty seven. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, John, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. See, Jesus is the living water. He is the key. He's the fix to pollution. He's the key to right everything that's wrong in our lives. He is that inner spring, that river of living water that wants to bubble out of us. Not just for us, but for the nations around us. Jesus is the fix to what's wrong in your life. Amen. If you want to be filled with these rivers of living water, the only requirement is you got to be thirsty. Is anyone thirsty tonight? In John 2, 6, Jesus, this is his first miracle. There were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the head waiter called the bridegroom and he said to them, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Listen, here's the here's what's happening here. Those those clay pots, they might as well be bathtubs. They are taking the refuse off of people. It's dirty. It's filthy. Jesus is fixing to perform a miracle. And what does he say? I'll take those. I'll take those dirty pots right there. Bring them over here. Let's fill them up. Listen, we have to get tapped into that life source. God can take your polluted waters, the most polluted waters. He can make it sweet. He can make it the finest wine. Not good waters, but the finest wine tonight, church. We've got to tap into that. You see, the word, the authority of God, Jesus, and the spirit, the breath, the living waters of God. That is the answer. The word of God and the spirit of God is the answer. So now we've come to that point tonight. You're like, okay, this, this is all great. That sounds good. But what do I do? 
I mean, yeah, sure, yes. Amen, I agree with you. Well, what do I do? First thing we do is we repent. So we take a sober judgment of our lives and see where we're at, where our hearts are at. We repent. That's the first step to getting everything right. Repentance. Turn to Revelation 2. And a couple of scriptures in Revelation that just... Uh, they put me back on course every time. Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5. It says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You see, one of the revelations that came out of earlier, I was talking about John 4, as I'm sharing with someone else. And I'm so focused on the, on the well, the source, that I forget about the one. And I started, I started thinking, okay, Lord, what wells have I allowed to be stocked up in my life? And one of those wells was a well of devotion. See, we can get so busy doing and being and digging that we forget about the one that got us here in the first place. And for me, my well of devotion was stopped up. And the Lord was challenging me. He was telling me, go back. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you fall and repent and do the things you did at first. We were all just dirty pots anyway when he found us. There's nothing special about us. You know, at best we were being used to wash people's feet, like Rick was saying. But he found us and he filled us with his spirit. And we can't forget that his spirit is life in us. It's living waters. Move to the next chapter, Revelation chapter 3. How do we repent? Revelation 3 verse 2. It says, wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Is anyone done working? No. Has anyone completed their deeds? No. We've got to keep working, church. We've got to wake up. We've got to strengthen what remains and is about to die. That's how we repent. We've got to shake ourselves and we've got to return to our first love. Amen. 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 We've got to return. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 7. Tell me you're tapped in when you get there. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. Listen, church, we've got to be flooded in his presence. We've got to be flooded in his word. We've got to be flooded in obedience tonight. We've got to come back to those things. The once that we did, we've got to come back to them. The things that we remember, that we cherish, the, the sweet spots, we've got to come back to them and start doing them again. We've got to go back, church, to get tapped in. Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 7. Tapped in. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord. 
the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with an anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eye of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for waters, living waters, the fountains that God is offering tonight. They'll break forth in your wilderness, your desert, and they'll become like streams. The scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals. Listen, church. Wherever God's presence is, there is life. There is evidence of that. Listen, let's do a, a assessment tonight. Let's get tapped in. Let's go further. Let's go deeper tonight. Because I'm telling you, where we're at is not near deep enough. I want, I want the purest fountains flowing from my life. I need it. I've got to have it. Are you wanting to go deeper with me tonight, church? See, as we're assessing our lives, where there's a well, our heart is a well. Whether you want it to be or not, the truth is it's a well. And something's in it. But all hope is not lost, because where there's a well, there's hope. Empty or full. God can fill it, or God can fill it some more. See, Job 14 Seven through nine says that there is hope even for a tree, even if it's cut down, because just at the scent of rain, it will blossom. Church, do you guys smell the water tonight? Do you smell the living water? Can you can you taste it? Can you taste that sweet water? We gotta exchange those bitter waters tonight. And we got to we have to let the Lord change those waters. Into sweet water so that we can be a well, a living water. Do you want living water tonight, church? Do you want to tap into the source tonight, church? Amen. Amen. We've given lots of things to think about. We've presented all the different scenarios. There's an answer. There's a solution right here waiting for you. Listen, if you've got a cistern and it's dry, hey, listen, you can dig down. You can break through that bottom that's full of mud. You can go just a little bit deeper and there's living water to be had. Hey, you might have a cistern that's full of water, but there's not a lot of life in it. You need God to stir those waters tonight. They could be stirred right here, right now. Church, whatever your need is, whatever your lack, whatever it is, it's the same. It can be had in the waters. Getting tapped into that will bring life to every area of your life. Whatever it is, there will be life and everyone will be able to see it, church. Get tapped in. Are you ready to respond to the Lord? What the Lord has been saying to us for services after service now is the fact that what you need has been already given to you. This is not some well that's somewhere outside of what you already know. The Lord hasn't put the word on the other side of the ocean so that you have to go try to try to cross that. He hasn't put it up on a mountaintop somewhere. He has brought you to the place that you need to respond. Our problems are is that we let our wells get covered with something else. <laughs> this living water that God has presented. Stand to your feet with us tonight. 
You need to respond to the Lord. You need to go back to the original source of what God gave you. Repent from where you are and turn back to the things that He gave you to do at first. To that love that He gave you at first. There's far too many people in here with some bitter waters. You've got bitter waters still in your life. After all that God has done for you, you still stand here and you're lamenting where you are. You are lamenting the state that He has put you in as if it is somehow His fault. Are you tired of having the bitter taste in your mouth, church? Somehow you've thought that it's okay to have bitterness that just stays in the back of your mouth. He wants to blow on the waters of this place today that it might be, that you might be refilled with His Holy Spirit. We don't want to just be cisterns in here. We want to have the fountain, the living water that is moving to go in and tap into the actual source of the Spirit Himself. As He is sitting over the waters in Genesis 1, what happened? The Lord was breathing. He was moving upon the waters. Megan, would you put John 20, 22 on the screens for us? After Jesus had said this, He breathed on them. He breathed upon the bitter waters of their heart and He made it sweet in that moment. Cho, it's time for you to make sure that you don't have any more bitter waters inside of you. David, it is time for you to get the bitter waters out. We cannot continue to hear this and have a small cycle that moves from we feel good here at the altar to growing right back to the bitter waters. Because when He shows you, when He teaches you about the cross itself, the waters are designed to become sweet and the waters remain sweet. That is the call tonight. Are you tired of your bitter waters? I feel an urgency and I feel a seriousness on this call tonight. This is not for weak-willed men. This is not for for some that lack the integrity and the honesty and the forcefulness to do this. We must respond in a way that says that's enough of the bitterness. That's enough with being overwhelmed at the circumstances that get to me every day. Far too many of us in this room are overwhelmed. Far too many of us in this room are overwhelmed by our circumstances. As if you don't have sweet water that's been presented to you. As soon as I begin to pray, you need to respond. The Lord is a faithful God to us. Quit wallowing in the bitter waters that you choose to pollute your own well with. He's shown you, oh man, what is right. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with Him in the sweet waters that He gives. Mighty God, we come.